Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Jesus, we thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, we don't believe that a single person is here by accident, but Lord, we believe that there's things that you want to speak and there's things that you want to reveal. There's things that you want to deposit, and Lord, there's things that you want to uh, make an exchange with us in today. And so, Lord, uh, we choose to lean in and, uh, Lord, just simply get hungry. Lord, we choose to have an open heart and open mind. God, if there's anything that's going on in our lives that uh, would rob us from this moment, Lord, we pray that those things would just simply be set to the side, God, and we would say that you have our undivided attention. Jesus, we ask that you would speak loud and clear to us today, and uh, we just thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing what you do best, and that's changing our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So what I want to do this morning is I want to start uh, in reading, by reading a familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, More than likely, you've read it uh, many times over the years. I want to basically just give you two points from it, and then we're going to get running. We're going to use this as a launching pad. So if you can, look at the screen with me here. John chapter 1, John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Says now, this was John's testimony. He's talking about John the Baptist. Says when the Jewish leader sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, "Who are you?" He confessed. He did not deny. I am not the Christ. So they asked him, "Then who are you? Are you Elijah?" He said, "I am not." Are you the prophet? He answered, "No." Then they said to him, "Who are you?" Tell us so that we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23 says, John said, I am the voice of the one shouting or the voice crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Such a powerful portion of scripture. Listen, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that, but every time I read those verses, there's two things that automatically stand out to me literally every time, and that is this, concerning John the Baptist. The first thing is this, is that obviously he was a man who knew who he was. And what I mean by that is in the midst of all those folks questioning him, are you the Christ, are you Elijah, are you a prophet? This guy was unmoved because he knew or he was secure or he was confident in his God-given identity. The second thing that always hops out there at me is simply this, is that he knew what he was called to do. Again, in spite of all these folks questioning him, you know, like, John, dude, why are you out there baptizing people in the desert? Once again, he was unmoved because he knew, or we could say he was secure or confident in his God-given purpose. Now, the reason I bring that up to you today is simply this. It's because I want you to know that if you have said yes to Jesus from your heart, that it is God's will today that you would be just as confident in those two areas as John was. Meaning that it's God's heart, His desire for your life, that you would be completely secure, completely confident in your identity in Him and in your purpose that comes from Him. Can I hear an amen on that? So here's what I've learned, though, in spite of that truth, is that over the years, I bumped into many, many, many Christians who struggle in those two areas, that they wrestle with the, you know, who they really are in God, and they wrestle with what God's really called them to do. And uh, you know, again and again, as I meet those folks, I'm always asking the question, why? 
Like, why are these people struggling? Why are they wrestling with this? And I've come to the conclusion, not only from my own personal life and my own personal wrestlings, but also of, you know, just spending time with people, is simply because of this. It's because we are still trying to live out of or operate from this thing called an unrenewed mind. We're still trying to operate from an unrenewed mind. And what I mean by that is, is even though we're saved, there's still old patterns of thinking, old thought processes that we're trying to bring into the kingdom with us, and they don't mesh. And we wonder why it's not working, why the dots aren't connecting. It's simply put, because the world and the, and the kingdom of God, they think differently. Amen? Amen? So I just think this. It's like if you and I, once again, are going to... Uh, fully know and be fully convinced in who we are in Him, it's like not until that moment are we really going to understand His will for our lives, much less even how to do it. And so we got to figure that out, yeah? So, all right, because of this struggle, for the next few minutes, I'm going to talk about uh, renewing our minds, the importance of renewing our minds. Now, I realize that if you've been around here for a while, more than likely you have heard me teach you know, along these lines a time or two. And, uh, and I want you to know that that's probably intentional, okay? So I really, really believe that this is an essential teaching of Christianity that we need to get a hold of. And so much so, I'll say it this strongly, that if we don't grab a hold of this, it's going to be really hard for us to get anywhere close to fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. And so, so even if you've heard this before, I just want to encourage you to lean in. I believe that, once again, like I prayed a while ago, you're not here by accident. That God wants to say something to you, and so maybe it's something new. Maybe it's a reminder, but whatever it is, just, just let him speak. Amen? All right, so let's start with this. The Bible teaches us that when we surrendered our lives to Jesus, that we were instantaneously transformed or we were renewed or made new on the inside. Okay, the theological word there is regeneration. And that simply means that our spirit man, who was once dead to God and once dead to the things of God, in that moment when we said yes, it came alive. Now, Jesus said in John 3, 3, uh, that that was our born-again experience. Now, as amazing you know, as that life-changing moment was, I want you to know today that unfortunately, this thing called our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, was not changed so immediately. So in other words, our spirit man instantly changed in the soul. Now there's the process that comes with that. And, and so it's that process where the Holy Spirit, who's our helper, he's come to initiate and invite us into this thing called sanctification, this process of sanctification so that our soul, mind, will, and emotions can experience the same transformation that our spirit man did. Now, it's through this sanctification process where the Holy Spirit will come and literally transform our minds so that we can ultimately be in alignment and agreement with God's thoughts about us, about himself, about our purpose, about the world, about others. Like, it's key if we want to move forward, yeah? All right, so to shift gears here, I fully realize that the next part of what we're about to talk about isn't something that we talk about that often in church. It's not something that we're really that comfortable even receiving and embracing. But, but I think if we're going to engage in the sanctification process like the Holy Spirit wants you and wants me to, then there's a few things that we're going to have to come to grips with. In other words, there's a few things that we're going to have to go, God, yeah, you're right. And I need to understand that, that that's the base that I'm working from, okay? And so what I mean by that is this, is the Bible actually describes the condition or the characteristics, whatever word you want to use there, of what an unrenewed mind is like. And so he says these five things, 
through the word of God. Once again, this is God's words, not my words. He says this, the unrenewed mind is defiled and corrupt. That's the kind of mind we're born with, right? That this unrenewed mind is blinded by spiritual darkness. That this unrenewed mind is alienated and hostile towards God. That's where we're enemies of God. That this unrenewed mind is set on things of the flesh and that it's fixed on temporal things. Now, like I said, I realize those things can be, you know, difficult to accept because most of us, you know, we tend to think of ourselves as being perfectly logical, right, level-headed, just generally good people. And so we'd go, you know, that, that, that's not me. Like, that's the people that got issues, right? But I want to pause for a moment and just think back to maybe all the things through the years that we have either said or done and all the decisions that we have made in our life, and to actually look and go, man, how many of those really came from that? So without delving like too deep into this, just think about how many things that you and I have done independently from God over the years. Like, all because we were trying to do one thing, and that was to satisfy a temporary craving of the flesh. Right? So like, However that came out, that can, that can happen in hundreds of ways. It could happen just simply, once again, trying to satisfy our flesh, trying to have some temporal fix or, or meaning to life, right? Literally going, okay, I know what God wants, but I'm not interested. Just spiritual darkness, whatever it is, right? And so at the end of the day, there's loads of things that we have done that are simply out of sync with God's way and God's will for our lives. Am I the only one here that has a list of those things? Yeah. So, so we got to ask ourselves, okay, if that's true, then, man, where did, where did all of that stuff, right, all the stuff that we did in all those years, like, where did all that stuff come from? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15. He said, don't you understand yet? Verse 18, he says, the words you speak come from the heart. The word heart, so often we just think of this thing that's beaten in our chest. But really what it means in the Greek language, it means the source of our thinking process. So Jesus is saying, look, the words you speak, they come from your mind. Like We get that, right? And he says, that's what defiles you. And verse 19 is key here. It says, for from the heart or from that unrenewed thinking process comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, all sexual morality, theft, lying, and slander. In other words, all those things that are out of sync with him says these are what defiles you. So in short, what Jesus was saying to you and I there is that our mind or our thinking process really determines our behavior. Okay, And so therefore, like that list said, if our mind is corrupt, then we're going to do corrupt things. If our mind is living in darkness, we're going to do dark things. right? If our mind's opposed to God, we're going to do things that are opposite to the way that God would do it. If our mind is set on flesh, we're, we're going to live to satisfy our flesh. If our mind is fixed on, the, on what feels good for the moment, then we're going to live for the temporary. So watch this. If I can take all of that, I know that sounds kind of gloom and doom, but if I can take all of that a step further of what's really working in our lives, to actually go back from the time really when we were born and to ask ourselves, man, what is shaped and what has influenced how we think over all these years? What has shaped our unrenewed mind? In other words, the parts of our mind that were not submitted to God, what has shaped that area of our lives? It's pretty simple. The first thing is this. I'm going to give you six things really quick. Is our upbringing. Listen, right or wrong, every one of us in this room have been influenced by our families. 
right? Each one of our family members, if it was dad, if it was mom, grandma, grandpa, right? Aunt, uncle, cousin, brother, sisters, whoever it is, man, they brought their own set of values, moral standards, cultural preferences, opinions, philosophies about life into that relationship. True? Now, maybe you are sitting here today and you were like fortunate enough to be raised by the Waltons or the Cleavers, <laughs> right? Um, but, but I wasn't, okay? And, and so, you know, here I am today, 45 years old. I got to recognize that there's things, good and bad, that have stuck to me because of the family I grew up in. That there's things that are still coming out of my mouth and out of my heart today that I can literally track it all the way back and go, yep, that's where it came from. Second thing is this, is our experiences. Once again, positive or negative, uh, however long we've lived, we have been mentally and emotionally and spiritually have been logging experiences that have the ability to, to affect how we think about life, right? So maybe our experiences life, we were, we were born and grew up in a really small town, or maybe we're the old other end of the spectrum that, that we grew up in a family that maybe mom or dad was in the military or maybe had a different job and we moved all around the world or maybe when we got a high school, we got that kind of job and we've moved everywhere. Whatever our experiences are, what's happened is, is we've interacted with enough people over the years and we've watched enough people to learn how to behave and how to interact with people, right? And so if we've been exposed to, you know, very little cultural, very uh, little variety of races, or if we've had the, the other end of the spectrum. The next thing is our education. Like all of us in this room uh, have spent our formative years literally uh, learning more than just the three R's, right? That reading, writing, and arithmetic. And the reason is because even though people who were paid to teach us those things, they still approached the classroom every day, and there was something uh, of their own opinions or own viewpoints about life that they impressed upon us. And even on top of that, uh, we all know that a lot of textbooks that were written, man, the same thing's happening. They're written with a certain slant, good or bad. How about this one, our church experience? This is huge. Truthfully, I think this is one of the things I see the most as being a pastor in this church is really the influence that former churches have had on people. So, so it's important to ask, like, what kind of church did you grow up in if you grew up in a church? Was it legalistic or was it healthy? Like, was the presence of God there or was it deader than a doornail? Right? Like, did, did it lean too heavy in one area of doctrine or was it balanced? Was it heavy-handed or was it grace-centered? Like, did, did people love God there? Was there loads of strife? Like, did people live defeated and fearful mindsets, always worrying? Or did they live from a place of victory and, and a place of faith? Like, whatever your experience is of how you grew up, I promise you, it has influenced your view of who God is and how you interact with God. So uh, two other really common areas, uh, you know, especially once again, we're talking about going all the way back, right, as kids. Think about role models for a minute. You know, I think most of us grew up looking up to somebody that could have been somebody up close or somebody from a distance, could have been a family member, could have been a teacher, could have been a pastor, could have been a coach, could have been a celebrity, an athlete, a musician, whatever it is. Uh, I, I know this, I've walked with people long enough to watch how they will literally watch who they idolize and they try to mimic them. So if they say this, they believe that. If they dress like this, they dress like that. Whatever they think, that's how they engage with their lives, right? This influence. And the last one is simply this. It's media. Now, I don't know if there's anybody in the room that's old enough, uh, but I actually have vague memories of this as a child, of at the end of the evening, 
everybody in my family would come together, right? Everybody that lived in that house lived with my grandparents. And we would actually sit around and we would listen to the radio at night to get an update of what was happening in the world, right? Like I still remember those days at literally two, three, four, five years old. I can remember sitting there with my grandparents having that moment. Now, if you fast forward to today, obviously, you know, we're not all huddled around a radio anymore, but we're, we're carrying this thing called a phone with us everywhere, the screen. And at the click of a button, what's happening is, and I don't think we realize it, how much it's happening, but we're actually being told continuously at the click of a button what to believe and how to think. Right? Like we are indoctrinating ourselves, good or bad, by just going click. Right? All right. So with, with those six areas in mind, just like in your own self, can you, can you think of anything or anyone that's influenced or shaped the way you think about, once again, God, yourself, others, or just life in general today? Good or bad? Now, here, here's why I'm bringing this up. Once again, we, in essence, we're talking about an unrenewed mind, not really knowing who we are, God's purpose for our lives. And so if I can kind of bring this into maybe real world for a moment. You know, I've been pastoring, I don't know, over 20 years now. And so I've had, man, a, a, lot, a lot of conversations and a lot of counseling appointments over the years, right? And, and even dealing with them all self, helping people in schools of ministry, all that stuff. And, and one thing that I've learned over the years, especially now how I approach a counseling appointment or a conversation, is typically I'm going to listen to the person, and if, I, and if I let them talk enough, they're going to reveal the fruit in their life, good or bad, okay? And typically, if it's a, if it's a negative fruit, like if it's rejection or if it's abandonment, loneliness, lust, greed, like you can go on down whatever that, that fruit is, whatever the fruit is, there's always a root. And right, and so, and so I recognize, okay, if this is off, then the root would say, okay, that's the reason that is off. And typically that root has got traction in a lie. It's a lie that they have believed somewhere that is now producing this ugliness in their life or an ugliness in a relationship. And so at that point, it's okay, what does God's word say? What's the truth that's an exchange for that lie so that they can now produce a, a different kind of fruit, one that brings life, peace, and joy, right, and hope in their life? Am I making sense? And so even today when I'm saying that, like what I'm hoping is, is registering maybe in your head and your heart is that you would look and go, what's the negative fruit that continues to pop up in my life? How I view myself relationally, how I view God, like what are the things that are popping up that are unhealthy? And then I need to backtrack and go, okay, why do I believe that? Typically it's because of something that's influenced me that's caused my, my thinking to be shaped or formed in some way that's got me there. That's where freedom is found. Amen? So all I'm trying to say is, is that, yes, we were born with this unrenewed mind uh, that, has, that has been programmed year after year to either do two things, to either come in agreement with a life of faith or to be contrary to a life of faith. And i got to recognize which way it's going. Because once again, those processes are either in line with the purpose of God in my life or not, or they're in line with the identity that God has for my life or not. And I got to be honest enough and self-aware enough to know where it's coming from. Amen? Amen. So part of this, how can I say, it's part of this renewing of our mind is so that we can learn how, 
to think like God thinks about things. So that our actions are corresponding with his purpose for our lives. And it's also, if I can say it another way, it's simply this. It's how can, how can I live from his reality versus a reality that's been created for me? Either by myself or from somebody else. How, how do I live from the reality of Jesus says this about me? Now, it's opposite of what they said about me and what I said about me. But man, he says this about me. And so I'm going to focus on that instead. That's how my mind's renewed. Let me give you a handful of verses here. Paul said these things to three different churches. In Ephesians 4, he said this, talking about obviously people's thought processes. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles or lost people do, for they are hopelessly confused. It says their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So so what's he talking about there? He's talking about people living from those traits of an unrenewed mind that we just talked about, right? And then he says this, this statement that really just the whole chapter hinges on this next verse. It says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. In other words, that's who you used to be. Now let's talk about who you are and where you're going. That's the hope, right? And then it says in verse 21, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, here's the answer, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Or as other translation says, renew the spirit of your mind. And then it says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, Truly righteous and holy. I I really like verse 24, where it says, put on your new nature. Who's that? It's the nature of Christ. It's what was deposited in you the moment you were born again. That was made available to you, you had access to. That is your new nature. It's in Christ Jesus. Amen? And then it says, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. To me, the good news about that is this, is that God's never going to ask me to do something that he won't help me do. Right? So it says this in Romans 12 too, Paul also talking. He said, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How are we going to do that? How, how's he going to transform you into a new person? By changing the way you think, by renewing your mind, right? It says, once your mind's renewed, then you will learn to know God's will for who? For you. For you. So often we get lost in the crowd, but God's a personal God. He has something for you, right? And he says that that will is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. Who don't mind perfect? I'll take some perfect, Jesus, right? And then he says this in, in Colossians 1. This is a prayer that he prayed for the Christians that were there. It says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. Once again, where? In your mind. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Right? And then it says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. To understand there, he said, look, you need to get a, a knowledge of God. Well, what's wisdom? Wisdom is how you apply that knowledge. So he's saying, look, I'm praying that God will give you knowledge of who he is and who you are in him. And then I'm praying that he'll give you wisdom and understanding actually how to walk it out in your life. 
Amen? Because this just isn't stuff where we accumulate more knowledge. If it doesn't go from here into our life, then it's worthless. Amen? All right, so let's shift gears one more time. I want to try to uh, land this, if you will, uh, by quickly talking about uh, the process of how we renew our mind. Because if we don't talk about how, it's okay to talk about what to do, but let's talk about how to do it so it becomes real to us. Here we go. The first one's this, is this. This is really a heart posture. Is we got to have a desire for a renewed mind. See, Psalm 19.7 says this. It says the instructions. and In fact, if we could just say, the thoughts of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul, the decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. It says the commands of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. Watch this. The laws of the Lord are true. There's no lie in him. It says each one is fair. They, what is they? God's thoughts, God's truth, right? Are more desirable than gold. Even the finest gold. Like that's what the psalmist said. He said, man, I have taken a survey of, of all of God's thoughts and all of God's ways. And here's the thoughts I think about them. And in comparison to everything else in this world, man, that's the most desirable thing I know. So listen, on that note, just like if we can get completely honest with the Lord, like every single person, if you can imagine me and you sitting at a little table drinking a cup of coffee, this is a question I'm asking you. So don't worry about your neighbor. I'm asking you today. Before the Lord, can, can you genuinely say that you have a desire for a renewed mind or would you prefer to remain as you are? Here's why that question is so important. A, we'll never move forward until the answer is yes to that. Okay? But, but, but also what I recognize is, is most people, including Christians, uh, they really, 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 really don't like change. And they don't want to change until a crisis hits them in the face. Right? Like that's all of us, Right? And in other words, until we feel the pressure to change, we just, uh, I'm good how I am. So in, in my mind, I'm just like, okay, what, what would happen if we really live from a position of, Lord, yes, I want to know who you see me as. I want to know your will for my life. God, if there's any lie that's in me, God, expose it. Help me exchange it for the truth. Like if I lived in that posture and let God, you know, unpeel the onion of my life and help me continue to grow, then when crisis come, I'd probably respond a whole lot better. But what happens is we go, I'm good. No, 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 I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still good. And then crisis happens and ugly goes, and then we beat ourselves up, fall in depression, think that we didn't get saved, we didn't get whatever. No, no, your mind just needs to be renewed. And when your mind's renewed, it changes your emotions as well, right? You learn how to respond the way Jesus would respond instead of just flesh. I'm guilty of that too, so I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. But, But it's simply this, it's like, okay, Until I see the need for change, I'm probably not going to seek a solution. So why not, let's just take a moment and understand that all of us in this room could probably think about God different. We could probably think about others different. We could probably think about ourselves different. So why don't we go ahead and desire and pursue change?
Can I, can I say one more statement and then I'll move on? Here's really the hang-up. This is, this is just human nature. Instead of us changing, we blame our issues on everybody else. Instead of going, okay, once again, if there's fruit, like if that relationship keeps producing fruit in my life, it's, it's going to tell me something about the relationship, but what it's really doing is the Holy Spirit's allowing that relationship to expose the fruit, the ugly fruit of my life, and He's wanting me to grab a hold of that thing and backtrack and work my way to the root with Him so I can get free. Amen? Second thing that needs to happen if, if this change is going to happen is we've got to approach the Bible with a heart of humility. I'm amazed at how many people approach the Bible in arrogance. What I mean by that is, is they think for a moment that how they feel and what the culture says and what their circumstance says, that somehow that changes the Bible. That's arrogance. Okay? So, so listen, when the Bible says something, guess what? That's settled in heaven. Y'all do realize heaven's a little bit grander than us. So if heaven has settled it, who am I to argue? And who am I to make excuses and say, well, everybody's doing it? I don't care what everybody's doing. The Bible says the Broadway leads to destruction, right? And so there, there's all these things about holiness that, we're, that we are, some of y'all are getting uncomfortable, things about holiness that, that we try to make, oh, well, what about this? Oh, what about this? And we, try to, and we try to tweak it a little bit and compromise a little bit and change it a little bit. No, that's wrong. The Bible says this, well, it's this. Like, like exaggeration is a sin. Modesty is still a thing. Telling the truth is still a thing. Integrity is still a thing. I'm making sense. Forgiveness is still a thing. Bitterness is not okay. Right? All right. Hallelujah. I'll get off that, that box. <laughs> Psalm 25 says this, talking about humility. It says that God leads the humble in what is right. Does anybody want to be led into what's wrong? Yeah, so let's be humble, not prideful, right? It says, and teaches the humble his way. That God will literally teach the humble his way. That's incredible, right? That God's going to say, here's why I do things. Here's my heart behind this. You need to get this, Right? So, so I think for us to have that humble attitude, we need to come to grips with what Isaiah 55 says. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Great place to say amen. amen. It says, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I, I will simply close it off, that little section off as this, is, is that God says he's right. And we're not. So the quicker we acknowledge that, uh, the quicker we can grow. Amen? All right. The next thing is this, is that not only does it take humility, but man, we also need to choose, and this, this is key, is to actually yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. Y'all do realize the Holy Spirit's still moving, right? And like I've said many, many times, it's not Father, Son, Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay? And so the Holy Spirit is here to work with us and help us. In fact, the Bible tells us in John 14 and John 16 that, that His ministry is to help us. 
to teach us and to guide us into all truth. That The Bible actually describes him as the agent of change. Now you need to understand that the agent of change is always, did y'all hear that word? Always working in agreement and accordance to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is never doing anything opposite of the Word of God. He is, he is simply doing what? He is doing everything that Jesus says, what Jesus said He would do. Right? And, and so instead of when we're reading the Bible and we're hearing some dude like me preach and something gets tweaked in there that we don't like, instead of resisting that, how about this? Okay, Holy Spirit, is this from you? Is it from you? That's the heart of humility. Okay? Because, listen, my, the, the Bible, I will say this for balance sake, the, the Bible is perfect. My interpretation of it is not. Okay, I'm doing my best to present truth. And so if there's something that's there that goes a little certain sideways that's different than how, what you've thought or how you think God moves or how he views you or people, whatever, you just stop and go, Holy Spirit, is that you? And if that's him, then let him come and renew your mind, as it says, through the washing and the renewal of the word of God. Like, in my mind, I'm a very visual person. So, in my mind, I imagine that, that we get saved. And once again, we, we've been influenced by all these things. And I'm really just covered. I'm not, I'm not saying this to shame anybody. But, like, like there's, like, a, a film of, of just dirt that's on us. And, and the, like, literally, like, when the Lord says, this is about you, if we stay there long enough, the Holy Spirit's reign will come and it'll begin to wash off the dirt that we're carrying in that area of our lives. Like, I, I could tell you a lot of different areas of my life where I've walked through this, but, but there was one that was really, really strange and unique. And, and basically when I was about uh, 18, 19 years old, I finally settled in my heart. It was because of the way I was interpreting some scriptures, some things that I heard some ministers say. But I, but I said to myself, okay, if I say yes to preaching the gospel, then I'm saying yes to I'm willing to be poor, dirt poor, for the rest of my life. Now, I, I've recognized that that mindset, now it hinges on certain things from my childhood. Because I remember being so dirt poor that, that literally someone in my family would go uh, with an axe, chop the head off a chicken, and I'm, you know, whatever, seven, eight years old, I'm waiting for that thing to quit flopping around in the yard so I can run over there and grab it by its legs and hold it out there so the blood don't get on me and, and run over to a bucket of steaming water so I can dunk it in and start plucking, you know, the feathers off of it so we have something to eat for dinner that night, right? So, so, so there's things when you grow up kind of like that that you weren't, oh, let's just run to the grocery store and get the organic chicken. I, you know, I had the true organic chicken, right? So, um, you, you know, you know there's, but there's things that stick to you. And I remember one day I was in prayer, and, and I heard the Lord say, Quentin, you're blessed. And then I heard him say, say it. I said, Lord, I thank you that I'm blessed. Man, that was... That was one of the most awkward feelings I've ever had in my life. And he was like, say it again. Lord, I thank you that I'm blessed. Say it again. Lord, I thank you that I'm blessed. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that I am blessed and highly favored by you. And I begin to quote scripture in my life. And what happened is, I'm telling you, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I remember exactly where I was standing and I began to cry because the Lord began to break off a poverty spirit off of me. 
right? I had the certain mindset, and I had to realize, no, 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 Quentin, the Bible says that the Lord delights in the prosperity of his servants. Are you serving him? Yes. Then let prosperity come. Right? Amen. All right. So we, so we got to let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And the reason I'm saying yield to him is because so often you'll hear something and then we run off, like we talked about last week, and do our own thing. And we wonder why that thing never bears fruit in our lives. we got to hang out with the Holy Ghost and let Him do what He does, right? Let those thoughts keep running through our brain because that's His way He's breaking stuff off of us, right? It's how we get free. It's how we get healed. The next thing is this, and, and it kind of goes along with it. This is more the discipline side of it. But number four, got to commit ourselves to reading and meditating on God's Word. Now, if it's true that the Bible reflects God's thoughts about you and me, and it does, then wouldn't it make a whole lot of sense for us to actually get really familiar with what God's thoughts are? Yes. I'll say it for you if you won't say it for yourself. Yes. Okay? And, and, and so I, I just think this. It's like there's a benefit of knowing God's thoughts about us and meditating on the Word. Look at Psalm 1, 1 through 3. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Like, that's a decision that we make. Now, watch another decision we make. It says, For whose delight is in the law, or we'll say in the thoughts of the Lord, and who meditates on his thoughts day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Y'all do know that's a peaceful moment, right? So there's peace there, which yields its fruit, good fruit, in season. And it says, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. In other words, there's not even a touch of death on them. The life of God is flowing there, and everything they do prospers. I don't know about y'all, but I'd rather succeed than fail. So, so with that, can you imagine how different your life would be, gang, if you allowed hundreds, if not thousands, of God's thoughts to run through your brain every day? Right? Let, so, so take for a minute, seriously, think about all of the negative voices that we hear in our lives. If you pay attention, you'll, you'll, you'll know. Well, that's negative. Immediately you'll know it. Right? Once again, it's, it's like turn on the TV and there's loads of negative stuff that's coming right at you. What would happen if we turned that off and said, okay, while I do this today, and I do this quite often, I, I'm going to put a little earbud in and I'm going to let the Bible play. And I'm going to let God's thoughts run through this thing. Right? Like there's a lot of times Jen and I are laying in bed at night and, and we'll turn on the Bible and we'll listen to the Bible and, and that's what we'll go to sleep, right? Like I'll go to sleep, it started in Matthew and I'll wake up and we're almost a revelation, right? <laughs> that dude reads faster than me. So anyways, but, but so I just think at the end of the day, it's like, man, if we, if we can live a life where we're digging into the word of God and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to push out all that negativity and push out all those lies, what I found, what comes behind him every time is goodness and mercy, joy and life and peace and so let him get all that stuff out let him blow the cobwebs out and let him impart something good to your life amen the next thing is this is when the lord begins to reveal things to you what do you do with that number five you got to dwell on it you got to dwell on it. what i mean by that is this is where paul said you know look we need to set our mind on things above like how often, I don't know about you, but I can get this, especially if somebody says something to me that hurts my feelings, I, I, I will think about that thought and that'll prevail. Yeah. 
Like several weeks ago, I'm just being really honest here, okay? You know, I had, I don't know, a whole bunch of people say, hey, that message was awesome. Great, appreciate it. All right, cool. And then I have one person come and try to correct me on what I preached on. Okay? And, and what they said, they were visiting, what, what, they, what they said was not, I didn't disagree with what they said at all, um, but, but because it was the first time they heard me preach, they didn't have a context of all the other history of what y'all have around here. And so it was amazing how that one comment erased all those other things. <laughs> and that's what I thought about for days. Am I making sense? I, like, I, I wish that would change about me. I don't like that, that it's there, but, but that's what happens. And, and so at the end of the day, I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is like, okay, in life, are we going to dwell on the negative? Or are we going to learn how to go, God, you said this, and let me dwell on that? Right? And so, so think about this verse that Paul wrote to the Philippians. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, notice these last four words, think about such things, which would mean, in essence, don't think about that other stuff. Fight off, push away all that negative stuff, all those lies, so you can operate in the truth, right? So lastly, number six, and this just kind of goes along with everything I'm saying, at the end of the day, Connect this to last week for a minute. We can't be a hear and doer of the word, and we can't renew our mind unless we make a daily commitment to this process. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not need, it's another translation, we do not need to lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. What does that mean? It means we're getting fluffy and we're getting more white hair. Okay? And then it says this, this part, in other words, you're getting older, okay? And then it says these last words, yet inwardly, in spite of that, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Amen. Notice that, because I, I want to I encourage you and build your faith in this. Renewed when? Not event by event, not incredible mountaintop moment for mountaintop moment. No, no, no. You're being renewed, made new, day by day. Now, I don't know about you, but in my flesh and in my feelings, it doesn't feel day by day. So I have an option to go, am I going to trust the Bible or not? And what I mean by that is, is if I trust what he says, I can be renewed day by day, then that means I'm going to give a little bit of my time. It's better to give more than a little of my time to him each day so that he can renew me each day. There's a promise that if I open this book and if I pray and I spend time with God, that he's going to do what he does. And so often what happens is, is there is this monotonous peace that comes with walking with God. There is this thing called a process where every day is not a celebration and fireworks. There's days where it's just, okay, this one, I'm going to read the Bible. That was good. It wasn't bad, uh, but, but, it, but it wasn't the greatest revelation I've ever had in my life. But at that moment, I got to trust that, guess what? Once again, I'm running his thoughts through my mind. It's cleansing my heart. It's cleansing my mind. And what's going to happen is if I keep doing that day by day, there's going to come a moment where something's going to pop up instead of responding like I used to, now respond to from the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen? All right. So let's close with this question, then we'll stand and we'll pray. Thanks for being patient with us today. Um, on the basis of those six things, okay, because here's, here's the prayer I prayed this morning for you, is that as I went through these things, 
that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and show you where adjustments need to be made. And then that you would be willing, right, to accommodate whatever those adjustments are so God's desire to renew your mind would happen. In other words, that you would hear something today that would somehow encourage you to keep pressing forward, okay, to encourage you to keep moving so that God can continue to deposit more of how He views you and so you can ultimately get connected to His divine purpose for your life so you can do great things. Like there's, there's nothing inside of me that believes that God saved you just so you can wake up every morning and go to work and make some money, pay the bills, and go to sleep, and then do that for 60, 70, 80 years, and then die, and you get to go to heaven. Okay? That's not bad, but I think Jesus died for something greater for your life than that. That there's a divine purpose connected to where you go to work, the people you interact with, right? That's going to actually count for eternity. And, and until you see yourself, until I see myself the way God sees us, we'll never be as successful as he wants us to in that and we'll never be as fulfilled in all that as he wants us to be. Amen? Amen. So can you stand to your feet, please? Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room. God, I ask that you would fill in the blanks and that you would do the work that only you can do. God, that you would reveal to their heart what needs to be revealed. God, that you would uh, expose and exchange and deposit things that only you can do. Jesus, I ask that you would help us today to, to really just evaluate the things that we just heard and, and just go, man, is there anything there that I need to apply? Is there anything that I need to do? Is there anything that I need to shift? And Lord, I pray that by your grace, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.